Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Tom Shalhoub. I'm Maria Bartiromo, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Climate change or worker pay are two goals of one political party on a crash course. And are fears over technology a big part of the auto workers' union strike? So if they had gotten normal raises over history, they would not be asking for this sort of thing. They're just trying to get back to you know, where they once belonged there. President Biden is getting rid of these auto workers' jobs. And quite rightly, they are not happy about it. I'm Dave Anthony. More parents are demanding more say in what's being taught in schools. What happened during COVID is parents realized what their teachers, what their kids were learning from teachers in the classrooms because all those parents had to teach it at home. And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The United Auto Workers are on strike, and their strike has been called against each of the big three car makers, Ford, GM, and Stellantis. It's the first time they've all been targeted by the union at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's insulting that a CEO gets on air this la- in the last few days and says that her $29 million salary is justified by her performance. No, yeah. it's not. It's justified by the performance of the worker on the backs of the workers and by paying them poverty wages, and that's unacceptable in this country. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain talked to CBS News' Face the Nation this past Sunday. Fain became UAW president just this year. He met with President Biden over the summer, and then over Labor Day, the president said there wouldn't be an auto strike. Fain, according to the Wall Street Journal, expressed surprise, saying... The president must know something he doesn't. The president then called Fain, according to the journal, to, quote, clear the air. President Biden has said that the automakers should share their profits with the workers. Fox business correspondent Grady Trimble was outside a Ford plant Monday. You would think that's a message that would resonate with these UAW members. But listen to what the workers told me when I asked them if they want President Biden's officials in Detroit to help negotiate. We are a united group of people. We don't need the president's help. It's our fight. Let us fight our fight. Fain said last week they would strike at a few locations to start and ramp up as they go along. The automakers have offered hefty pay raises but stopped short of the union demands, blaming the cost of transitioning to electric cars. Former Chrysler CEO Bob Nardelli told Mario Bartiromo on Fox Business. Just look at Jim Farley, a good friend of mine. They've lost over $6 billion in the last two years trying to convert to electric vehicles. They just took a $9.2 billion grant to build a battery plant in Michigan. I think that's proof positive that Ford is not trying to cripple United Auto Workers, but trying to create jobs as we change the technology that's being mandated by this administration. While the strike just began Friday, there's no end in sight. The first UAW contract negotiation I covered was in 1982. Fox Business correspondent Jeff Flock was on a picket line in Toledo, Ohio. And this one is just very different. Uh, we're on the on the uh, strike line right now, and maybe you hear the sounds of uh, <laughs> some support as people go by. They, they honk their horns or rev their engines, that sort of thing. Um, it's different in that never has there been 
a strike at all three automakers at the same time. Typically, they would pick a, a strike target, one automaker, and all of those plants would go dark. Uh, in this case, they've just picked three plants, so all of the automakers at once are feeling the squeeze. And I think it's just a unique time also in history and that the automakers have done really well over the past few years, made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I've covered a lot of these things when they needed to give back benefits and wages because the automakers were losing money. In this case, I think the, the workers have some leverage. Hmm. But how much leverage? Because they're asking for a 40% increase over a certain period of time, right? And the automakers are going up well beyond 9% or even 15%, right? To try and, uh, yeah, I guess, negotiate. But but 40% is quite a bit. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the last offer from the automakers was over 20%, which you'd think was a lot. The argument that the workers would make, uh, well, is, is multifold, but one of them is that they have given back a whole lot over time, and so if they had gotten normal raises over history, they would not be asking for this sort of thing. They're just trying to get back to, you know, where they once belonged there. The other point they would make is that the executives of the company, particularly the CEOs of the big three, have made about that percentage, 40%, over the same period that they're asking for. And so they think, you know, what's fair is fair. And at this point in the country, there is, I think, a sense of concern about the amount that corporate CEOs make compared to the average worker. And when polling was done on the general public, do you support the auto workers? Do they deserve more? Um, there was support for, for their position. So uh, it's, I, it's a unique time in a lot of ways. Tell me about this union boss, Sean Fain. It, it's the first time, as you already said, that the auto workers have struck all three of those major car companies at the same time. I think it's fair to say that Mr. Fain has certainly come across as a leader who is willing to go to those kinds of more extremes. I mean, he said he believes they are on the right side of this fight. Quote scripture in his Facebook Live press conferences. I mean, he certainly comes across <laughs> as a fighter. He has ripped up the script big time. And, you know, unfortunately, the UAW in recent times has been plagued with some leadership that has, you know, skimmed some money off the top, has been convicted of corruption. So he has really been the anti <laughs> the anti old guard on that one and uh, he has ripped the script up um, he uh, is not cozy with the uh, the automaker leadership in fact you know bill ford uh, who is well he's a ford uh, and <laughs> he's the chairman of uh, the ford motor company and he came to present the offer from Ford, which you know is is very unusual for the either the chairman or the CEO to come in person and and make the offer, and Sean Fain, the uh, the president, didn't even show up. Uh, you know, he he, oh. he did the same thing to Mary Barra. You know, it just basically insulted them. And as you pointed out, other industries have had some real success in terms of their labor force, and yeah. this might just be the next one. Jeff, tell me about the, the politics here. There's been some anger among union folks that's been reported over President Biden and Democrats maybe not coming out more forcefully in support of them. Others on the picket line saying, you know what, stay out of this. But this seems complicated for Democrats, right? And I, I'm just saying what's already been said. The automakers say we can't give you the raises you want because we're switching over to electric cars. And that's a big part of the Democrats' platform, right? Going green, going electric. It does put them between a rock and a hard place there. Yeah, it does. I think 
you know, people in general, in principle, want a cleaner planet and want, you know, uh, they're, they're for green. But uh, as you point out, the money that is being expended by both the automakers as well as federal funds, our taxpayer dollars, in order to fund this green transition is making less money available, in the case of the automakers, to reward the workers. And finally, Jeff, you know, on the other side of the political aisle with Republicans, you know, you have somebody like former President Trump, who's always courted these kinds of American workers, saying, you know, this is not the right play. The union is risking too much here and the automakers will just have these cars made in China. Is that a real possibility moving even more production to Mexico or China? I mean, what, are you, what are we hearing from the, the CEOs here at Ford and Stellantis and GM? Well, the, the, first of all, I think President, former President Trump is walking a fine line there because he has said that he didn't think Sean Fain, the president of the UAW, is doing a very good job. But he said because of the green agenda that you're going to lose uh, jobs and they're going to go overseas to China potentially. I think U.S. automakers are pretty committed to making electric cars here. I don't think all of the electric cars are going to be made in China. But I think former President Trump does not want to alienate those workers. Uh, I think, you know, he's a, a bit in their corner. He, you know, feels a bit that they deserve to be rewarded as well. Uh, and I think he thinks a policy change would be a better way of rewarding them than the way they're going right now. Now, the president of the UAW, Sean Fain, has said they don't endorse former President Trump for 2024, but they haven't yet backed President Biden. As Diana Scott Roth, former Labor Department chief economist and current Heritage Fellow, notes, Democrats' green energy and climate goals have meant a push toward electric cars, and that may be on a collision course with the fight against well-paid CEOs for higher worker pay. Up to now, the coalition has pretty much coexisted, so to speak. But now, with the mandatory EVs, the push to have 60% of new vehicle sales be electric by 2030 and two-thirds be electric by 2032, President Biden is getting rid of these auto workers' jobs. And quite rightly, they are not happy about it because with the schedule of EVs, 400,000 auto worker jobs would be lost. So you have the Greens in the Democratic Party that want what they see as clean air and clean water. Of course, we all want clean air and clean water, but their view of clean air and clean water is electric vehicles. And then you have the blue collar workers who want their jobs. And it's not just in the auto area, but the increased price of energy from getting rid of fossil fuels and putting in place more renewables, that raises the price of energy and it makes manufacturing jobs less competitive here in the United States. And it doesn't even help the climate. Well, as a labor economist, could you talk about the future of work with technology? I mean, you just talked about transitioning to EVs. I didn't realize that that was going to cost that many auto worker jobs. I mean, we're having a writer's strike right now. They are certainly worried about AI and and their creative capabilities. I guess technology is is the biggest player in all of these discussions. Well, it's the CEO of Ford who's estimated that the push for EVs is going to result in 400,000 fewer auto industry jobs because with EVs, it's a completely different kind of mechanism. In other words, Mm. they have to change the plants over. They're making electric vehicles. Not all the components are going to come from the United States. The batteries are probably going to come from China. And as far as the union goes, these are going to be made in probably right-to-work states, so they are going to be losing their jobs. 
to make a product that no one even wants to buy. Right now, EV sales are 6% of new vehicle sales. They want to ratchet them up to two-thirds in 10 years. So you can see why these workers are angry. Their jobs are going offshore to China. And it's not just technology. It's not just a matter of technology changing by itself, Jessica. It's a matter of the government paying producers to make these and paying consumers tax credits of $7,500 each to buy them. There's something very wrong with this picture. When our government, an administration, by the way, that the UAW supported, is paying producers to make electric vehicles and paying people to buy them, and the jobs are not going to just be lost in the auto industry. They're going to be lost for auto parts suppliers. They're going to be lost for mechanics. You're not going to be able to go to your local mechanic to fix your EV when it breaks down. Right. So there's something very wrong with this picture. If these workers get a 25 to 30% raise over a certain number of years, like let's say that's how it ends, and, and that comes on the heels of the UPS workers getting what they asked for this past summer, does this set a new tone for labor and, and workers' demands over pay? Or are these demands in large part out of fear? Uh, for for the future and what technology will mean for these jobs. And so even if this is this new demand, it will it will fall off a cliff if we, you know, if technology replaces so much of what we do. So you have UPS getting a 40% raise over four years, American Airlines a 40% raise over four years. So what they are asking for is not out of line for what other uh, companies have been getting. And I think that they see that. The problem is that with inflation rising, uh, and this is also caused by elimination of our fossil fuels, it's part of the whole story. If you eliminate oil and gas production, energy costs go up and energy costs have been driving inflation. Uh, This inflation results in upward wage pressure, which in fact causes more inflation and causes more groups to be pressing for higher wage increases. These are high wage increases, but they're not so much out of line with what people in other industries have been getting. You know, when it comes to technology and jobs, what do you hear? Like all all the way up until a year ago, it was, and I have two little children, it was, you know, your kids have to learn how to code, send them to computer camp. But now it's like within a matter of a year, I'm told, no, 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 AI is gonna build you a website. Like what, what is the new job of the future or is it still computing? There's always going to be good jobs and technology is always going to result in uh, more jobs, higher productivity. That's what we've seen ever since uh, we started getting plows and then tractors. And the idea that technology is going to take away people's jobs is completely false. There's always going to be more jobs. We have more jobs than ever before. But it's the forced transition from one form of technology to another that I find particularly troubling. Diana Fershkot-Froth, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. Public education's always been an important issue. But the past few years, it's gotten controversial, especially in red states like Florida, 
Where Governor Ron DeSantis says he wants it to be about educating kids, not indoctrinating kids. And parents' rights is a big issue of the Republicans' campaign for president. We just believe that parents should be able to send their kid to school, have them watch cartoons, just be kids without having some agenda shoved down their throats all the time. So gender ideology has no place in our K-12 through school system. DeSantis signed the Parental Rights and Education Law banning elementary schools from teaching sexual orientation and gender identity to young students in Florida. Critics called it the Don't Say Gay Bill. And the Walt Disney Corporation took a stand against it, which CEO Bob Iger defended last year at a Disney town hall. One of the core values of our storytelling is inclusion and acceptance and tolerance. And we can't lose that. That led to a public fight between Disney and Governor DeSantis over corporate taxes. In Virginia, Glenn Youngkin was elected governor after a Republican made parents' rights in schools a big campaign issue, and he told the Fox News rundown a few weeks ago. Children belong to parents, not to the state, and we have to continue to empower parents and respect that. That's putting parents at the head of the table for decisions in their children's lives. But this push from the right has met with resistance on the left, particularly efforts to remove books conservative critics call pornographic from school libraries. I think we have to address the issue of book bans. This is getting out of control. That's Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom. President Biden and Vice President Harris also making it a 2024 re-election campaign issue. Let's stand with teachers and parents against politicians who try to score political points by banning books. Book bans in this year of our Lord, 2023. I never thought I'd be a president who was fighting against elected officials trying to ban and banning books. And this curriculum controversy is our focus today in a week-long Fox Business Network series on education in America. What happened during COVID is parents realized what their teachers, what their kids were learning from teachers in the classrooms because all those parents had to teach it at home. Edward Lawrence is the Fox Business Network White House correspondent. And some parents across the country didn't like what they were seeing with some of the school curriculums and some of the things that were being taught. And now as they dive further into this, certain groups are looking and saying, well, wait a minute, some of these curriculums are going a little too far one direction or the other. But you know, we're specifically, we're going to focus in on Fairfax County Schools uh, in Virginia. Um, we're going to specifically focus on Fairfax County Schools because you know, there's been a, that focus on Virginia. I mean, we saw it when Governor Glenn Youngkin was elected. Uh, that really propelled him were those parents' issues. Parents have the right to determine what their kids learn at school. And there's that push and pull with the unions going there. Now, now one of the things they're looking at is the, the Fairfax County public school system curriculum. And some argue within that curriculum, what has been integrated is some of this CRT, some of the uh, racial divide material has been put into some of these curriculums. And, and parents are worried there. Now, officially, the Fairfax County Public School says that they're guided by the Virginia Department of Education standards of learnings, and that's what they follow. But some parents in Virginia are saying, well, wait a minute. And they're looking at specific courses that are within there that uh, proposed divides among the races. And, and we've seen this throughout the country. I mean, you could take uh, different schools, this is a private school even in Pennsylvania, uh, you know, can run upward of $40,000 a year for tuition. And parents are asked to decenter whiteness at home and in their family. Now, Edward, um, you know, when you're talking about these kinds of courses, yeah. 
We have to kind of go back to the genesis of this, right? The 1619 Project is something that has gained momentum in public education, correct? That's exactly right. It has gained momentum in public. And, and this is something that, that sort of popped, it bubbled, um, you know, out of this. And, and, and the crux of the theory is basically that um, there is race and racism has been integrated so much into every decision and every department that has been made. And it has kept minority students who are African-American down. Uh, and, and that's basically the, the fundamental basis uh, of that going forward. Now, what parents are upset about is they want to, you know, you have the good and the bad in history and you need to teach both of those. And the concern is that the 1619 Project is only pushing one side of that that would further divide this country. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to talk to parents. We're going to talk to some folks who are involved in the project as well. Talk about both sides, about how this plays out for not just our kids, but the future of this country. Yeah, and there is a group that has been very vocal since 2021 in the middle of the COVID pandemic called Moms for Liberty. They have been advocating a lot for parents' rights, parents to be involved in the curriculum, but they're on the conservative side, right? They they are they are a group that wants parents to be educated about what is happening in schools from the conservative point of view, right? That's exactly right. And on the other side, you do have unions that are saying that, that these are fair courses that are going on and, and the, t- the schools have a curriculum that really helps their students learn and achieve what they need to achieve a- across this country. So you have this divide going on. And again, we're going to be talking to a number of these folks from, from both sides of this issue to try and figure out, you know, what's let, let people decide what is the best way to go forward and has the pendulum swung too far? And another issue, certainly, that's been getting a lot of attention beyond race has been LGBTQ. And there have been a lot of stories written, of course, calling the Florida Parental Bill of Rights Don't Say Gay, which is a law that Governor Ron DeSantis, who's running for president, a Republican, signed that would limit or ban sexual orientation and the teaching at certain grade levels to kids. And what Senator, uh, what uh, Governor DeSantis is talking about is elementary school kids. I mean, when you know, these are kids that parents, some parents haven't even talked to about sex education, and they're supposed to identify with a certain gender. And that's from his standpoint of it. From, you know, the other standpoint, yeah, that, that it feels from the part of uh, parent right groups, some of them, the more conservative ones, that this is indoctrination. You talk to the kids young, early, about changing identities, about changing gender and gender fluid issues, and then you've swayed them as kids going forward. And that that's what Governor Ron DeSantis has been trying to, to uh, go against and, and, and put down, saying that kids need to learn education. It's ABCs over CRT is the way that we have heard this. Uh, focus on ABCs focus on education, math, and reading, and then as they get more mature, they can make the other decisions uh, and have that other influences come into their life. Yeah, and of course, in New Jersey, there's a big push about what parents should know about what is happening if one of their children wants to be identified in a different gender, the battle, and, and it may not just be in New Jersey, where the schools have said, listen, that's that." You know, this is a safe zone. You don't have to tell your parents that you're now in school being considered a certain gender. And there are LGBTQ advocates who say that's a good thing because 
if you tell the parents, it can be like outing a student. So there's a lot. It's it's complicated. It's very complicated, and it puts the school and teachers in the middle of a family. Uh, you know, when you can't, when you have to hold secrets uh, from your parents, and that's part of the issue for some of this. You know, and it even goes beyond that. You know, the 1619 project that you were talking about is also pushing a different use of math and history, uh, and within that reparations. Uh, so this could have real political and financial imp implications for the future of this country. Um, you know, some investigations found from 2020 that the 1619 courses, they've been adopted in, you know, 3,500 classrooms in 50 states. Uh, so it, it's out there and, and there's this, this trickle, this little voice saying this is, you know, pushing, nudging, this is the direction we should go. And now parents and some groups are starting to push and nudge back the other direction. And now we're seeing this conflict in between. Yeah, and there is a conflict. I mean, you have two sides that are really butting heads here. I mentioned Moms for Liberty. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which draws the ire of conservatives anyway, put Moms for Liberty in their year in hate and extremism report for 2022 claiming that they're they're doing what parents in the 50s and 60s tried to do when they were attempting to resegregate public education black students and white students so these sides are battling and you have institutions coming in right that institution there you had the department of justice labeling parents in a memo as possible terrorists to, to look into now the attorney general has said no he's he's not done that he, uh, and they've not formed any of these lists or groups but you know you never really know where those investigations are where they started governor glenn youngkin uh, just pardoned the individual the man who spoke up at a uh, at a hearing or a, a board of education hearing uh, because his daughter was assaulted by someone who identified as a woman went into a girl's bathroom and assaulted the daughter he ended up getting arrested uh, at a at, at a hearing and you know the, the governor just parted pardoned him so you have big institutions now starting to come in uh, in the middle of parents and you know it, it really does go back to what your children are learning you have you as, a, as an individual as a parent you know have to determine how you want your children to grow up and in what environment you want your children to grow up. And that's what we're going to be talking with with some of these parents on all sides of this issue. So you can decide which way this should go. Well, you can see Edwards reports Tuesday on the Fox Business Network, which will be doing this big education in America push this week before our presidential debate, which is the second debate for Republicans. That's going to be on September 27th, Wednesday night on Fox Business Network and also on Fox News Radio. So every day we'll be focusing on a different layer around the education topic affecting parents and students and graduates. And there will be a live town hall on Fox Business Network on Thursday in the 1 p.m. hour. Edward Lawrence, White House correspondent for Fox Business Network. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Dave, thank you. I appreciate it. Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. From prime suspect to innocent victim, the 23-year-old kidnapping case of Natasha Alex Carter has taken a turn. For decades, police in West Virginia believed Susan Gale Carter abducted her 10-year-old daughter Alex during a custody battle with Alex's father, Rick Lafferty. 
But the investigation swung in the other direction a few weeks ago, with police now saying Susan and her daughter both mysteriously disappeared at the same time. State police and the FBI executed search warrants on the Carter's last known address in Raleigh County, issuing a statement that additional forensic evidence was recovered, but not going into detail. But the current owner of the home showed local news outlets sections of drywall and tile flooring that were removed. Susan and Alex Carter disappeared August 8th of 2000, shortly after moving in with Susan's new husband. Law enforcement now doubling the reward to $20,000 for information leading to their whereabouts. There's more on this story at foxnews.com. Subscribe to the Fox True Crime Podcast with Emily Campagno. I'm Gianna Gelosi with your Fox True Crime Minute. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Tommy Laren. What's on your mind? Richmond, north of Richmond, viral sensation Oliver Anthony is proving the fame has not gone to his head and he is still a man of the people. After a bar in Knoxville, Tennessee hiked up ticket prices, Anthony responded by canceling his show altogether. He took to his Facebook page to apologize to fans and explain that he wasn't cool with the bar charging $90 for a ticket plus extra for a meet and greet. He explained that he wants meet and greets to remain free of charge. He also updated his fans, letting them know he found a new venue that would not price gouge them. You know, I give this man a lot of credit. He sticks to his word and seemingly walks the talk. It's easy to let the limelight get the best of a new artist, but Oliver Anthony doesn't appear to be turning into one of those rich men north of Richmond anytime soon. Boy, we could sure use more men like Oliver Anthony right here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show. Tommy Laren is fearless at Outkick.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.